0: Right, good morning church. Uh, it's great to be here. According to our beloved host, I dress a bit better than him, but really that's up to you to judge, okay? Now, actually I'm up here. Before I want to go into the Word, we have another video for you. Why? Because during this whole series about one another, we are trying to really show the church and update y'all where we are in our respective church plan. So today I'm here also to present our Sunway church plan video update. So another video for you. Bear with us, but enjoy. Alright, can you give a hand to the team that pieced this together? And really, the team is week in, week out. You might see some of the things we do are not really safe, right? Climbing on people's backs and all that. Uh, but nonetheless, really, the Sunway plant has been growing. We have new friends. We have salvation. And, uh, quite recently, I was talking to one of the new students that joined us at Sunway. And he was telling this, you know, he said, Jason, actually, prior to me now being at church, I was in a really low season, grew up in a Christian family, but really was detached from faith, okay? So he was in his low season and you can imagine that in that low season, it wasn't just that he wasn't reading the Bible. Some of you, you may think, oh, low season means he don't read Bible. No, we are talking about going out, exposing to whatever the world has to offer. So I'll leave it to your imagination to think what it was. And he said one day, finally, he clicked. He realised his life is a mess. He needed to come back to God. And he said, I came to every Nation Because it was just right in front of my hostel. And therefore, I can walk there. You know, when I heard that, amidst all that he said, that statement stood out to me the most. You know, we plant different plants, different church plants, campus plants. It's not just because we are trying to grow, we are trying to expand. Because we believe that when we plant a church at a particular community, at a black particular vicinity, we allow ease of access to the people in those communities to come to church. Imagine this guy saying, I came to Airy Nation because I realised I can walk there. And I can just imagine for all these other plants, we are really bringing the love of God right to their doorstep. And I'm telling you all this because we don't want this to just be a video update for you guys. We are saying that if you call yourself part of Every Nation, then you are part of what we are doing. You are. So I hope as you watch this video, it stirs within you. You are starting to think, actually, what resources do I have to be able to help some of you? Uh, maybe you help by, you can serve there. We, we are always in need of people building this plants, serving alongside with us. But really more than that, I believe at all these different vicinities, be it Chara, Setapa, Sunway, you might know a people or two. You might know a family. You might know a student. You might know a friend. Reach out to them. We are right at their doorstep. Okay, and I believe that there will be so many more stories just like this guy. Long story short, he walked to church and right now we are putting him into the discipleship process. Quite recently I was talking to him and he says he wants to serve in church real soon. Can we give God a shout of praise uh, for what God is doing through our church? And I really hope you don't just sit by and say, wow, that's nice and all. I hope you'll be part of this, alright? And of course I'm here. Some of you might know I lead the teens and quite recently also, some of you, you were part of it, our teens carnival, alright? There's no visual, but I just wanted to give an update. So those of you who just joined recently, we had a carnival and it was really an act of faith from the teens end to say, this is our year-end camp. So they are raising funds for their year-end camp and they wanted to really come together to do something for the camp and part of it was to raise funds to lower the camp price. And then after that, we opened the camp registration. Some of you, you saw the news, the announcement. And I'm really, really grateful to God to say, we were planning to open a registration for four weeks. But in just two weeks, two months before the camp, we had 200 over sign-ups in total. This is the highest ever camp registration we ever had. Even prior to MCO, when I looked at at that, I know God is doing something. God is doing something in our church, in our different plants, even in the next generation. So as a church, we've got much to be excited for. I'm telling you all this because, of course, most of you, I'm so sorry, you're not invited to the camp, okay? There's an age limit, but you can pray with us. Right now, in fact, one of our struggles is people are still wanting to sign up for camp, but... We already need people to sleep in the, in the hall, right? So we are trying to figure out logistics, but uh, we are really happy for what God is doing. Now, today I'm going to talk about the One Another series, and I think it's sort of the finale. And when I think about this One Another series, some of you, you may respond to it really differently. Some of you, you may think, ah, why talk about interacting with people? That's, that's quite cliche, right? I mean, what's there to know about interacting with one another? I do it every day, right? Teach me more about the Bible. Maybe some of you, you might argue that. But as we were doing this one another series also for the youths, for the teens, I remember after one of the sermon, a student actually texted me. Jason, I, I hear all this one another sermons and all that, but I don't know how to feel about it really. Why? Because... I don't like the thought where I have to go against my gut uh, feeling to try to, uh, you know, show love to someone, serve someone, when I, I really don't feel like it. Especially, I begin thinking, does this person really deserve my love? And therefore, this person really ended their whole conversation by saying, so, you know, Jason, you can say all this, but I, I don't really feel like it, right? I, I don't know whether I'm up for that then I bring up this little conversation not to judge this student and say, look at this generation, oh, just thinking about themselves. No, but rather when I read that, and if I wanted to be very honest with myself, I could also find myself thinking that way sometimes. And maybe for some of us, we could also find ourselves thinking that way sometimes. I mean, it's great that we are talking about serving one another, and you might say, Jason, I can serve, but I can serve those who, after serving them, they say, thank you. I don't mind serving those kind of people. We talk about showing hospitality. And maybe some of you, you might say, I don't mind showing hospitality if the person smiles back at me. But if the person doesn't talk to me when I say hi, then good riddance to the guy, right? Uh, Someone else can show hospitality, not me. Or maybe we talk about stirring one another towards love and good works, provoking them towards love and good works. And some of you might say, you know, Jason, I'm willing to stir someone if they are willing to listen. But if they're not willing to listen, I don't know whether it's worth it. And you know what? I don't think I want to do it. And I brought this up because sometimes as we talk about loving people, it's easier to love one or the other, right? Love a category of people that responds to you. But to love one another, to, to love each other regardless of how they are like as a person and all that. Now, that becomes really tough. And once I realise this, and perhaps for some of us, it does not come intuitively for us to really love someone that's difficult to love, that makes me realise how important this series is. Because left on our own, we might really be just like that student who said, based on my gut feeling, I don't quite like to love someone where I, I don't quite like. It's tough. It's not natural. It requires me to step out of my comfort zone. And in this series, what we are trying to do is we are not just trying to just give you good tips to interact with people. We are really trying to challenge you. We are trying to provoke you. We are trying to push you to say, go and love people even sometimes when you don't feel like it, even when sometimes it's uncomfortable, even when it's hard. And today, I'm sort of going to end it with this little phrase, accept one another. Uh, Can all of you say it with me in three, two, one? All right. And of course, this phrase is not something that, uh, oh, Jason decided, you know, he likes the word accept, right? And he thought about this. No, it really comes from a text in Romans. And I'm just going to show these three words for now. Why? Because when we talk about accept one another, sometimes it sounds like three very simple words. It's not really hard to say. Sounds easy. What's the big deal? But to really understand the weight of these three words written in the text here, I want to give you a little bit of a backdrop behind this whole Romans. You see, when Paul wrote this letter, he was quite late into his ministry. And by then, the church in Rome was already established for some time. And the church in Rome really started off as a community of Jews and non-Jews. And some of you then, you might be familiar that the Jews, they really had some very strong cultural practices that they were taught With growing up, things like honouring the Sabbath, right? On the Sabbath, you take a break, you don't do work. Uh, Things like eating kosher. So there's certain category of foods that we can eat, certain that we can't, or circumcision. So all of these were big deal for the Jewish community and also the Jewish Christians. And you can imagine that because primarily, uh, at the start, the Jews were really more of the bigger crowd in the church. Culturally, it was very Jewish. You can imagine that. And some of you, you're scratching your head. You're like, Jason, I don't quite get the, the cultural importance. So let me give you another example, alright? For our context, a very important cultural emphasis is, if you want to come to my house, you got to leave your shoes out of my house. <laughs> Some of you, if I were to walk in your house with my shoes on, that's the last time I'm ever going to step foot in your house, right? It's a strong cultural thing for us. So, of course, ours may not be apple to apple comparison, but you can get it somewhat. So, if someone from a different culture comes in, and maybe in their culture, they always wear the shoes in all the way to the bedroom, and they come in that way, you're going to be like, no, no, you got to respect the culture right here, right? So, it was something like that, but what happened was along the way, There was an emperor called Emperor Claudius who even right now the reason is very debatable but he sort of banned all the Jews out of Rome. So all of them left and now you have a church that is really, really non-Jewish. But even then, the church continued to grow and because there were no longer Jews in Rome, if the church grew, then it was really a community of non-Jews. And it grew and grew and grew. And five years later, the ban was lifted and the Jews were allowed to come back. And when they came back, they found a church that was really, really not Jewish in their practices, in their culture. It's almost like I'm from Penang, okay? And now I've been living in Selangor for a while now. And imagine that after I left Penang, right? My dad is like, I have an empty room, right? In fact, two because my sister is here with me, right? Why not? I rent this room out to just maybe two people from the States that are here to study, okay, and visit. And maybe culturally, I could get this wrong, but just bear with me, okay, just follow me through. So maybe culturally, they can wear shoes in the house. And so they sort of brought a culture into my house. And now when I go back to Penang, I'm expecting to see shoes outside. And when I go there, whoa, where are the shoes? Is nobody home? And I go in. And I see everybody walking uh, with their shoe. They wear their shoe into the toilet. They wear their shoe into my bedroom and all that. Now, I'm going to freak out and I'm going to be really upset. I'm going to say, Dad, what's what's happening right here, right? So you can imagine when they came back, they came back to a church that was really, really different from what they left. And now there came a little bit of a strife, a little bit of a tension because here you are, you are doing something. So for the Jews, you can imagine, you're not following the practices that really matter to us, eating kosher, Sabbath and all that. So they would really need pick on all those. And the non-Jews will be like, why are you so fussy? Oh my gosh, right? Why are you so fussy about this and that? So there came a little bit of a tension. And I find that when it comes to accepting one another, we won't struggle to accept one another's values and all that against something that is, let's say, morally really wrong. So take for instance, let's say one day you found out that the leadership of this church is really corrupted. Let's say, okay, hypothetical situation. So you find out, all right, uh, (laughs) there's someone just cut that part of the video, right, and then just upload on social media. Oh, every nation is very corrupted, okay. That's how the false information goes about. Okay, now, hypothetically, let's say you found out that the leadership of this church is really corrupted. I'm guessing this, I'm guessing Almost every single one of you here will agree that that is wrong and you all will stand against that corruption. You won't find the church divided. One part saying, I, I think it's okay, uh, right? I mean, I mean, what's, what's so bad about it, right? Everybody's corrupted anyways. And the other side saying, no, you, you won't find any division if there's something that's clearly morally wrong. But it becomes a bit more tricky if the thing that differs is the non-essentials yet seemingly important stuff. So in the church, what could it be? Some of you, you love to sing old hymns. You feel that's very important. When you sing amazing love, it's amazing love, right? Hey, wait, no, that's amazing grace. Oh my God, see, see, ah, you'll get it, right? Now, then some of you, the other, the other group could say, no, we are all about new songs. We need some new, fresh music, right? And, and what happens? You got one group that says, I don't like this. They always sing new songs. Every week, I got to learn one new song, okay? How in the world do I follow? I want to close my eyes to worship. Every second, I got to open again to look at the lyrics, right? And then the other group, when we try to sing old songs, they... <laughs> All right, halfway through, right? Okay, now you, you can imagine. Is it essential for a church to sing all or new songs? Is it is it like heaven and hell kind of a matter? Yes or no? Uh, some of you are like, hey, actually, I don't know, right? <laughs> yes or no, right? No, obviously it's not, right? But to some of us, it could be really, really important. You can imagine how that could create a little bit of a strife. Or the other one, maybe in your homes, right? I know for the younger teens, as I brought this example up, one of the problems they have is siblings especially. I hate it when my sibling, after coming to my room, leaving my room, didn't close the door after I tell them to close the door. How many of you, you have children and they fight because of that? Oh, okay, never mind. I know your kids do. okay? (laughs) So some of them, they do and they're like so frustrated at their sibling, they are thinking, always close my door. Why you never close my door, right? Now, is closing door very essential for a sibling relationship, yes or no? No, but for the sibling, wow, boy, it's important. And you can see that it's often this non-essential yet important stuff that creates a little bit of attention and makes it hard to accept one another. And in this kind of a scenario, it's not like we were going, find Pastor Neil and scold him, reprimand him. Why don't you sing all hymns, right? None of us would do that, right? But you would find that in that process, it's not that you will fight the other person, you will scold the other person, but you might find you might begin to distance yourself somewhat. You become further and further away, right? It's, it's harder to accept this guy and later on, it becomes so far that someone sits. You see Pastor New. okay, I'm taking, I love Pastor Neil, all right, but I'm just giving an example. Pastor Neil, he's sitting here. You need to make sure you sit furthest away from him. Why? Because he don't choose all hymns during worship, right? Cannot stand his, his face. Now, there's distance, okay? Assistance. And why I brought this up? Because when we talk about accept one another, it was to this kind of a category of people that Paul was writing to. And to sort of increase the weight of these three words, accept one another, accept sounds very easy, right? But if you go to the root word, it actually means to take alongside with you. So in this context, someone who really accepts Pastor Neil, to a certain extent, is almost learning how to be close to him despite the differences. Now that's tough. Right? It's easier if I don't have the same preference with you on the non-essential important stuff. You know what? I just don't want to eat with you. I don't want to talk with you. I stay far from you. But that's not what accepting means. Accepting also doesn't mean I can coexist with you on the same space. It doesn't mean that because it literally means you take alongside that person with you. And that becomes a bit tricky. In fact, that becomes really difficult and uncomfortable. Again, we are not talking about accepting something that is morally wrong. We are not talking about that. We are talking about the non-essential yet important stuff. So how then do you land at this spot where you can accept one another? Because now you realise these three words are really heavy words. Thankfully, before Paul landed at those three words, he gave a couple of verses. That I find set the stage and built towards that finally that three big heavy words. And here was what he said. Can I, let me click the next slide. He says this. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement. You know, I'm so glad that before he talks about what we need to do, he reminds them about what God does. And I find that this phrase here is something that sometimes we forget that God can also do. Why? Because when we have someone we struggle to accept, right? So sorry, I'm going to take Pastor Neil's example again, right? Again, I love Pastor Neil, right? But some of you then, you are praying, God, please convict Pastor Neil to finally choose all songs. Amazing grace, right? You're praying, you're hoping that God changes a person. Why? Because oftentimes, it's easier for us to ask God, God, why not you just change the person to someone that I like? But how many of us, when we are faced with that kind of a people, we would pray to God, God, give me the endurance to endure because I know it's difficult. I know. Sometimes you really don't like it. It really gets on your nerve. And what do you need then? You need endurance. And sometimes after you tell the person, take for instance the case of the sibling, close the door, close the door, close the door. I tell you a hundred times, you still haven't closed the door. What do you need? You need encouragement. And how often do we, when we are faced with people like that, we pray to God. Instead of saying, God, change the person. We say, God, give me endurance and encouragement because that is what God does. Paul did not say, may God change everybody that you don't like. May God change everybody that you can't take alongside with you. May God change everybody that you cannot accept. He says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement. I remember one of the students I was talking with really had someone that was difficult for this student to accept. And some of you, if you remember your student days, there's group assignments, right? Group assignments and here was a member that was very good at talking big. Giving big promises, all right? But you all probably know where it goes, right? Talk big, but don't do anything, long, okay? And this is not just found in the universities, this is probably found in your workplaces sometimes, right? Talk big, don't do anything. And it was really getting on this student's nerves. Long story short, a couple of weeks or months later, I saw this student bring this friend to church. And I'm shocked because I thought by then this student would have cut ties, right? This person, I don't want you in my life ever again. You are going to sit far, far away from me, right? But instead this person ate with this friend, continued to be in the same group assignment and he got so close until this friend was able to bring, this student was able to bring this friend to church for the very first time. And when I look at that, I asked the student what happened? Did the person change? This person said, actually no, this person is still the same, right? Didn't change. But what changed? I trusted the Lord to help me to endure. And I think sometimes it's like that. When we talk about accepting one another, perhaps all of us, if you are struggling with someone like that, switch your prayer. Instead of praying, God, change that person. God, help me to endure. And maybe when you have endurance and encouragement, just maybe you might be able to land at a spot to accept one another. Now, then Paul continues on. By saying this, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. And when you think about it, all of us, we have a certain attitude of mind. We have a certain way where we interact with people we think interacting with people should be. It could be shaped by media, right? Some of you, uh, the young people, especially on social media, they find five tips to get the guy that you like, right? And… That's their Bible, right? For some of you, maybe it could be shaped by the person you're interacting with, someone at the workplace. You say something, they don't listen to you. And you're like, you know what? The next time you talk to me, I'm not going to listen to you also, right? You use them as their reference point. But here it says, use Jesus as your reference point whenever you interact with people. Have the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. And again, this is easier said than done. I remember for me also, there was once uh, we had a teens event, all right? And we were really low on manpower at the time and we needed to rush time to keep the chairs. And I reached out to someone, okay, who's not part of the teens ministry. I reached out to this person and say, can you help us out? We lack manpower. And you know what this guy is saying? This guy saying, but this is not my event. Oh. <gasps> the audacity of this guy, right? To respond that way. Now, let me ask you, church. Will this guy go to hell because of that statement? Yes or no? Some of you are not more quieter, right? Some of you really don't know the answer, okay? Obviously not, right? Obviously not. And it was really not his event. This is a teens event, okay? He's not in teens, but we needed help. So while I know that he's not wrong, boy, I did not like him, right? I did not like this guy. And I remember for the next few days, maybe even weeks, I did not want to see this guy at all, okay? If I know he's at this room, I'm going to be at another room, all right? It was tough to accept this guy. Until one day finally I, I woke up and I really asked myself this question: Is that what Jesus would do? Some of you would know Jesus also had people that had different values with him. His disciples even sometimes disagreed with him on certain values. And what did Jesus always do? Did Jesus then hide himself distant away from the disciples? No, Jesus would talk to them. And it was like this guy was seven years older than me. And I said, We need to talk. We had a one-hour-long conversation. And you know, after that conversation, my conclusion was I still didn't like that guy. (laughs) The guy didn't like me either. We still had our differences on the non-essential yet important stuff to us. But we landed at a spot to say, you know what, we would accept each other still. We would take each other alongside in whatever we do. And ironically, thereafter, okay, I'm going to skip the story a bit. I'm going to continue first. You might then say, Jason, okay, that's great. That's very nice of you. But why bother? That's uncomfortable, right? Me talking to someone, why not just distance myself? No problem, no harm done, right? Why not just distance? And I find that Paul continues on by saying this, so that with one mind and one voice. You see, when you learn how to accept one another, when you learn how to take alongside someone with you, you find that you become one mind and one voice. But for what reason? He says, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's something about when we learn how to take alongside people with us, accept them, one voice, one mind, that God gets glorified in the process. And here's where I want to continue that little story. So remember, I'm going to accept you. You are probably going to accept me, right? Though we disagree on a lot of things. And ironically, really, this is like a divine humour. Somehow our leader put us to lead the same life group together. Wow. Thank God we had a conversation before that, Right? of all the things we had to do, lead the same life group together. And we started off fine. You know what? We already, we already talked our piece and all that. We are going to do it. And I remember this. In that life group, we had a student appointed to us and a student really straight to our faces say, I don't quite like the idea of life group. I don't like all this social group kind of thing. I'm here just because I'm forced to, right? Parents forced to and all that. You know, eventually I'll switch to another group later on. And before I left, this very same student, actually now changed his tone. He said, actually, I quite like this life group. And you know what was the biggest testimony? He brought his non-Christian friend to even join the life group. You know, when I look at all of that, and when I think about me and the guy that I didn't quite like, did he win, right? Did Jason kowtow to him and, and he won? Not really, right? I, I still didn't quite like some parts of him. Did I win? Obviously not also. But when I look at that whole scenario, you know who won? God won. Because here was someone now finding belonging in the life group. And here was now in unchurched, being exposed to church. Because why? Me and this guy, we learn how to accept one another, to be one mind, one voice. And God was the one who got glorified. And it was after this then, Paul then says this three heavy words. So accept one another. I know it's tough. That's why you need to ask God for endurance. That's why you need to ask God for encouragement. And then it continues. Then, just as Christ accepted you, what a better way to know what would Jesus do than to think of what Jesus did for you in order to bring praise to God. Because when we learn how to accept one another, God gets the praise in the end. God gets the praise in the end. You know, when Paul wrote this, actually, besides what I just mentioned, the overarching theme for Romans was really this. Paul was hoping to expand his ministry. And Rome was a very key springboard for that. It was a key springboard. And perhaps something about Paul, he realised that in order for the church to really grow, for God to really move, and we see many more people come to know the Lord, the church there really needs to learn these three words. Accept one another. It's half, I know, but you got to learn it. You got to do it because unless we do that, then just maybe the springboard may not have may not happen. And Paul realized that, and now I feel our church is really at a tipping point where we are almost like at a springboard also of of growth. You see all these different plants growing. And I know perhaps in response to this, some of you might be, Whew. you know, you have a certain perspective towards it and the other party may have a different perspective. Uh, one may say too fast, one may say too slow, right? And, and all that. And maybe in this whole process, there's, there's strife, there's distance from one another. You've got one group that says, ah, oh, too fast. Other group say, eh, hey, too slow, distance. Let's not be like that. Because if we really want to grow as a church, being a church that glorifies God, and one of the things we need to get right is to learn how to accept one another. I'm not talking about moral failure, I'm not talking about all of that. I'm talking about accepting one another, even though we may differ on the non essential, yeah, important stuffs. That's my challenge. I know it's not easy, but let's do it. Let me close with a prayer. God, we thank you for this whole one another series. And I know a big part of living life as a Christian is really learning how to live out these two phrases, one another, and to live it out really through a posture of love. And in this whole process, we talk about serving one another. I know that's not easy. We talk about being hospitable. That's not easy. We talk about storing one another. We talk about accepting one another. And I hope that we leave this series not just gaining some tips on how to interacting with, interact with people, but we leave feeling challenged to live these four words out in our lives. Because we know that something about doing that in the end points back all to you. And we want to learn how to For this context accept one another because right now our posture is to say God, we want to glorify you. So we pray that as a church we will reflect that we will live that out. All this I pray in Jesus' name and all God's people say Amen.